0: Good evening everyone and welcome to our evening service here at redeemer just a couple of things to note before we hear um, before we go to god in prayer and then our call to worship the first thing is you probably noticed you've seen these announcements about our town hall meeting that's coming up next sunday morning after the worship service so if you haven't signed up yet there are sign-up sheets as you're walking in the high tops please sign up for that so we can uh, plan appropriately for meals The other thing I want us to note is a number of you have asked me what do I mean by submitting questions? And you'll also see little boxes with forms that you can fill out if there are things that you would like to ask about whatever in our church. And so this is our desire as a session to engage you in the life of our congregation. So I will be answering those questions and if I can't others will be and there's no guarantee I can answer every question, but I will do my best. So please, yes. Two weeks, not next week, two weeks, thank you. Yes, not next week, two weeks, the first weekend in November. The other thing I wanna note is that following tonight's service, John Boy is here from Potter's House, so he'll be speaking to us, so when the service is done, if you are able to stay, please sit down, and we'll spend uh, a short time hearing an update about Potter's House. So let's prepare for worship, and we'll do that by some silent prayer and then our call to worship. God brings us into this time of worship tonight from Matthew chapter 11 verses 28 and 29 earlier in this section Jesus says that he is thankful to his father that the following things are revealed to little children and you are not literally little children but you are those who are little and believing in the sense that you have a childlike faith in Jesus Christ and about those who have that faith Jesus says, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. These are beautiful words. Let's stand and sing, O oh, church, arise. What an amazing song. To begin with tonight, would you bow in prayer with me? Father, we are impressed with the truth of your word that says that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners, and his desire is that many would come to know him, that there would be those from across the world and across time who would hear the gospel truth and would believe in Jesus Christ, would abandon their own desires and would follow after him. And Lord, we pray that this song that we sang that talks about Christ winning the prize of an inheritance of nations would be true in our own place and time that you would draw into your church through the words that we speak, through the relationships that you give us, those who do not know Jesus Christ, and that you will use us as an individual congregation and churches in our nation, that you would give us the willingness and ability to reach those across the world who do not know the hope that comes in our Savior Jesus. Lord, fill us with your Spirit tonight that we might receive from our Savior the hope and the truth that we need. Father, hear us, for we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: Good evening you may be seated I almost forgot that part so so I have the privilege tonight of uh, doing prayer for the uh, sus manos meaning his hands sus is a volunteer and local gleaner which obtains surplus or discarded produce from various farms corporations, and individuals to be processed and hydrated and then compounded into a soup base and fruit snack in such a way as to maximize its nutritional value. The end product is then packaged in 55-gallon drums to be distributed by various Christian missions overseas as part of their ministry to populations facing critical food shortages. This hydrated food product maintains its nutritional value and is much easier and economical to ship wherever the needs are. With the products being dehydrated, its shelf life has been maintained for up to two years and has allowed Susmanos to expand their vision of feeding those who are in need all over the world. Our own Kerry Hill is, I believe, the executive director and has shared with us some of their praises needs and requests that they would like us to bring before the Lord this evening in prayer. If there is additional information you'd like to know or would like to help or even volunteer to help, I would direct you either to their website or to speak with Carrie Hill directly and she'll be able to assist you. So first, Susmanos has passed the five millionth serving mark in, in September God has been so faithful over the last five years with abundant volunteers and produce while opening doors to get food and the gospel to hungry people around the world. Secondly, over 750,000 servings are currently waiting to clear customs in Jordan for distribution in Jordan, Turkey, and Syria for those who are still devastated by the earthquake in that region earlier this year. What we're hoping for and praying for tonight also is that uh, there would be no delay in getting the food to the gospel workers for immediate distribution and their ministry opportunities. Sidebar note to that. Interestingly enough, this shipment is also in great and strategic location for assisting with the devastation in Israel currently with the war that is raging there. There is communication amongst Suspanos to distribute these much needed supplies to the hungry and hurting people in that region as well. Thirdly, we're trying to find ways to get food into Pakistan, Cuba, and Haiti. The situation in each location is dire and yet extenuating circumstances prevent food from getting into these countries. Let us now go before the Lord in prayer. Lord and Heavenly Father we come to you before your throne this evening to lift up the praises, the needs and requests that Susmanos Gleaners have shared with us. We thank you Lord for this organization and its vision to feed those who are in need and proclaim your love through doing your will. We thank and praise you for the hands of the volunteers that do this work and that your power, majesty, and control of our lives is manifested through their efforts. We thank you for the abundance of food that they have been able to acquire, distribute, and provide in many areas of the world. We also praise you for the safe passage thus far of the large shipment that is currently in Jordan and we see your hand in the doors that have been opened to get it this far. We ask, Lord, for your continued safety and blessing upon this shipment, its journey, whether it goes to Jordan, to Turkey, to Syria, or Israel, or all four. We confess and know, Lord, that you are in control of all things, no matter how great or how small. We ask that this and all shipments given to those in need be a blessing to those who receive it and also accomplish your will of furthering your kingdom. As your will is accomplished in this area of the world, we also ask for the doors to be opened in these other countries of Pakistan, Cuba, and Haiti. Lord, these locations have shown to be difficult to access and to us seems to be impossible. We know, Lord, that there is nothing that is impossible for you. And we ask that you open the doors that need to be opened, soften the hearts that need to be softened, move the mountains that are in the way and make straight the path for your message to be proclaimed as a light in a dark world so that the furthering of your kingdom may continue unhindered. In all these requests, Lord, we ask for your will to be done and that the glory and honor go to your name. In Jesus' name we ask alone, amen. Please stand and sing, Not in Me.
2: You may be seated. Please join me in a prayer of thanksgiving. Father in heaven, we come to you, the giver of all good things, and we lift up our hearts in thanks this evening as we gather again to worship you, to open your word. Well, we're grateful for the goodness of who you are. We'll give you thanks for the freedom we have to join in this place uh, tonight and lift your name on high. Lord, as we look around at the beauty of the world around us, we're reminded that everything in this world is yours um, and everything in it. And, Lord, uh, we ask as now that we come to a time of offering and we give back a portion of the goodness that you've given to us, Lord, we ask that you would fill each heart with joy. Um, Help us to become cheerful givers. And we ask, too, for a blessing on each fund that's about to be taken with this offering, Lord, that you would um, multiply them, uh, as so many times, Lord, in the scripture, you multiplied so many different things um, for your will and for your purpose. And we ask that you would do the same with the collection we take tonight, uh, that the ministries of this church, uh, the impact we have here in Ada and around the world, uh, would bring out, um, carry out your purposes, Lord. We pray too for Pastor Dan Adams as he brings your word tonight. Fill him with your Holy Spirit. Give him every word that he needs to speak and proclaim to us what we need to hear. Give us tender hearts and ears lord to hear your word that it would be received and planted in fertile soil and bear much fruit we ask this in jesus name amen
3: If you would, turn with me in your copies of Scripture to Mark chapter 2. Mark chapter 2. We'll be starting in verse 23, and we're going to be continuing through our series in the shorter catechism. This is sort of a sub-series within uh, the catechism focused on the Ten Commandments and exploring uh, what uh, Scripture teaches and how our catechisms have, have helped fill that out. If, if you've been wondering why uh, going through a catechism might be useful, I would suggest that there are times whenever we're reading Scripture where we maybe don't know what to do with a passage of Scripture. I'd say that happens to me at least once a week, if not more often. What am, what am I supposed to do with this? And catechisms can be helpful for giving us some guardrails so that we don't go too wild and crazy with our interpretations. It's going to lead us someplace good and helpful, and I think that's particularly helpful with our topic tonight of the Sabbath. And so we're going to be, uh, I'm going to read through uh, the questions related to the Fourth Commandment, and then our passage tonight in Mark chapter 2, verses 23 through 28. So let's look first at the Shorter Catechism and to be clear, I, I fixed these uh, this, this afternoon. Uh, John Sharp does a, a tremendous job. If you've ever wondered who does the slides, it's John Sharp. And if, if there's ever uh, a big mess up or mistake, it's on the pastors. It's not on him. Uh, I went through and I, I adjusted some things. So if there's some typos, don't blame John, blame me. So which is the fourth commandment? Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. What is required in the fourth commandment? The fourth commandment requires, the, uh, requires us to keep holy to God such times as he has appointed in his word expressly one whole day in seven to be a holy Sabbath to himself. Which day of the seven has God appointed to be the weekly Sabbath? From the beginning of the world to the resurrection of Christ, God appointed the seventh day of the week to be the weekly Sabbath. And the first day of the week ever since to continue to the end of the world, which is the Christian Sabbath. How is the Sabbath to be sanctified? That is, kept holy, remembered holy. The Sabbath is to be sanctified by a holy resting all that day, even from such worldly employments and recreations that are lawful on other days, and spending the whole time in the public and private exercises of God's worship, except so much as to be taken up in the works of necessity and mercy. What is forbidden in the fourth commandment? The fourth commandment forbids the omission or careless performance of the duties required and profaning the day by idleness or by doing that which is is in itself sinful or by unnecessary thoughts, words, or works about our worldly enjoyments or recreations. That leads us into Mark 2. It says, One Sabbath he was going through the grain fields, and as they made their way, And also gave it to them, uh, those who were with him. And he said to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. So far, God's word. Let's ask his blessing on us now. God, as we approach your word and we reflect on uh, the fourth commandment, Lord, we do pray that you would give us understanding, uh, not just uh, a a mental clarity uh, to understand, Lord, but with, uh, with the heart of faith, Lord, that we would embrace your word's truth and love it and seek to practice it with our lives, Lord, that we might find our true delight and rest in you. Lord, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. If I were to poll everyone sitting in this room and, and likely I think every person in America and ask you, how would you describe this present age that we live in? The world, the pacing of it all, what, what do you think people would say? I think, I think no matter your proclivity, whether you're young or old, you're rich or poor, you're red or blue, what well, 're green or blue, whatever you are you 're likely to answer that this is a restless age it 's a wearisome, tired age it 's constantly going and going and going the the news cycles the being barded with ads and and messages of how we need to work harder how much more we need to achieve that, that vacation to that one uh, isolated little place. You know, it's, it's here in Michigan somewhere that only a few people know about. And if you, if you find the right place, the right connection, you can have that enjoyment that's available to you. You just have to find it. And when we stop long enough, sometimes it's even for just a moment, we, we realize we need rest. I need a break. I'm weary. And so we look to a, a new show or a new channel, some, something that a friend told you about, or, or, or a new activity, a new hobby that will provide you a sense of wholeness and peace that it seems like nothing can offer you. And maybe it does offer temporary relief. But if you're like me, these things don't la- offer lasting real rest the deep calm and peace that my heart is longing for this world is full of mirages of rest and the promise that relief will be there but it always dries up and it's into this reality that we should be thinking about the sabbath too often our approach to this question it devolves into a uh, what should we be doing? What shouldn't we be doing? It's, it becomes about these, these details of what, the, what is required on the Sabbath or prohibited by the Sabbath. And, and that conversation is an important one. It's just not the main question that I want us to focus on tonight. Rather, I want us to consider more principally, what is the Sabbath? What is it meant to do? What is it for And it's as we consider this question, I I hope that what will become clear is the Sabbath is about real rest as we worship God, real rest as we worship God. Unlike so many mirages that are in the world, the Sabbath is meant to be an oasis that provides real rest as we gather to worship our God. We, we should see this as we look here at, at Mark 2, but we're going to focus particularly on his statements there in verses 27 and 28. He has an inter, interaction with some Pharisees, and he, he reminds them of David and what David did during the time of the priest of Abiathar. But then he makes these two statements, these two powerful statements that explain What is the Sabbath? And then we'll consider the question, why don't we experience this rest? So let's look first at his first statement in verse 27. It says, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. And it's important to remember, as I highlighted, that, that this is spoken to the Pharisees. They are constantly harassing Jesus throughout his ministry. If you read through the Gospels, you see they're, they're constantly troubling him over the things that he does on the Sabbath. He heals people. He casts out demons He does these incredible works, these these things that point to who he is and what the kingdom is like that he has begun, and they bother him. They're constantly, why are you doing that, Jesus? Why are you doing this on the Sabbath? This is not lawful. This is not right for you to do. this particular instance, is, they were plucking heads of grain and eating it on the Sabbath that they might receive some some nourishment for for their hunger and this this statement the sabbath was made for man not man for for the sabbath doesn't pack the same punch that it should it it sounds a bit like man was not made or, or the rules were made for man not man for the rules and yet there's something a lot deeper going on here jesus is trying to teach them and teach us what is the sabbath really about we see the first sabbath at at, at the very beginning of all things at creation there after six days of creating god stopped creating and he rested now this this resting this is this is not the rest of idleness jesus or god is not recharging you know i had six hard days now it's time for me to kick up my feet and, and take a break. Or maybe he needed to take a nap. No, that, that again and again is, is denied in Scripture. But this is, this is a, a pause. In the same way if, if, you've, if you've hiked up a mountain or, or, or gone up a, a path to a scenic view. And you stop from your hiking. Stop from, from your straining. And you, and you look out. And you behold the beautiful vista that is there before you. You you take in all of the colors and all of the the splendor of the created world. You're stuck in awe. That's that's a lot closer to what it means when God rested. God had created uh, the the expanse of his created world. Showed his his infinite beauty and creativity. And he stops to behold and say, this is very good. This is the very good thing that I have made. And in doing so, he invites Adam and Eve, the the last of his creations, to stop and to enjoy. Stop and take in in awe of all that God has done that they would enjoy. Enjoy. Enjoy what he has made, but but ultimately to enjoy him, the one who has made it all. The one who's there in the garden with them. That they would that they would tell God of how wonderful and how how awesome he truly is to make something like this. It reveals that man was not just made for work, which is something that would have been all too familiar to Israel's neighbors. They, they had these theologies, these belief systems that said that they were the product of, of, of their gods, that they would be slaves, that they would work and work and work and receive no relief. The Sabbath was countercultural for the Israelites. It was something that testified to the fact that, that we had a dignity, that we have a special role in the world, and that would witness to the, the surrounding nations. Sounds very much like us as well, right? Work and work and work. Isn't that what the culture says? You don't need to take a day off, get your hustle on. You can get a a couple more bucks. That would be just fine. You know, what's what's the big deal? The Sabbath at creation was about enjoying who God is and reminding us who we are, that we are made for worshiping and enjoying God, both now and forever. But that that doesn't exhaust the purpose of of the Sabbath, even though that's the the Sabbath at creation Again, the fourth commandment can help us to explore the, the meaning, but in a surprising way. When you read the fourth commandment and the book of Deuteronomy, what you'll notice is that, that the reason for the Sabbath is different. It's been changed. It's not founded in, in the, the six days and then one day rest that God did at, at the creation. No, it's, it's rooted in the Exodus. We read in Deuteronomy five fifteen, it says, you shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. Why? Why the change? Why not just repeat it? Did did God change his mind? Did he say, I, I, this is a better reason. Maybe, maybe you'll listen if I change the purpose. Not at all. We are meant to understand that, that the rest that we find in delighting in God as creator is part and parcel to the rest of the way that, that, that we delight in God as our redeemer, he is the one, he is the Savior who delivers from bondage. And that would have been particularly clear to the Israelites as they had just been delivered out of bondage into, uh, into the, the wilderness that they would worship. This was physical for Israel, but it also pictured the spiritual deliverance that they experienced from the oppression of Egyptian gods to worship the one true God, God had delivered them out of bondage, that they might worship him, that their original purpose at creation had been restored, that they could glorify and enjoy God. The Sabbath then is not just about finding rest and delight in God as our creator, but as our savior and our deliverer as well. And we see this as a major part of why Jesus is is combating the Pharisees about what they're saying They only understood the regulations of the Sabbath. They they understood the words, but they did not understand the deeper principle of what was going on. Sinclair Ferguson illustrates this well. He says, "...the Pharisees were like the committee of a golf club, which had beautiful fairways on which to play. But in order to preserve the fairways from being cut up with divots, they insisted that golfers always play their shots from the rough grass at the side." But golf courses like Sabbaths are meant to be enjoyed, not preserved as living museums. Tragically, the Pharisees were turning the day of blessing into a burden. Now I'm not a golfer, but even I can understand that, that that the Pharisees were distorting the purpose of the Sabbath. We must be careful that when we think about the Sabbath, we are not simply so focused on all the regulations that we need to begin to create extra laws, special laws to keep us from enjoying the blessing of knowing our Creator and Redeemer. We can also be guilty in this, of the same thing when we do the opposite. What do I mean by that? In not regarding the Sabbath... We are participating in the same heart of the Pharisee and thinking that the rest that God could provide for us is not good. It's unnecessary. I don't need that. God, I, I, I know. I know what I should be doing. We're seeing the Sabbath as a burden rather than a blessing when we fail to remember the Sabbath and its importance. Jesus' words here challenge us whether we are prone to strictness or casualness he reveals our hearts are quick not to believe god would have a have something good for us and so we change his purposes so that so that we have to be the ones who provide true rest that we have to cultivate that for ourselves and so understanding that the sabbath is a a day to find real rest in worshiping and enjoying god that may sound all well and good but 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 what about now? It, that 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 was true for them then. This this is these are regulations for long ago. And I think this is where what Jesus's next statement is even more incredible, even more powerful. He says, "The Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath." Now, as Pastor Jeff pointed out this morning, he. Jesus calls himself the Son of Man. This is his preferred title during his earthly ministry, and it, it tells of something that was going on. There's, when I was in high school, I had a nickname, and it was Guido, which is like an Italian mobster who would hit people, uh, things like that. And it's because on my tennis team, I was the person who pegged people with tennis balls, I, I had received that name in association with how I played, how I acted. Jesus' title here as Son of Man, he's, he's echoing back to something that came back in the Old Testament, a, a reference that helps us to understand who he is and what he's come to do. This is not just some generic title for a person a son of man. Rather, he's thinking here, as, as Pastor Jeff alluded to, to Daniel 7 The Son of Man is the one who comes riding into the presence of God himself, victorious as he ascends on on the clouds of heaven. That sounds like Acts 1, doesn't it? He receives glory and power in a kingdom that will not be destroyed. The fact that And this is the first time Jesus refers to himself in the the book of Mark this way. The fact that Jesus does not refer to himself as the son of David is interesting. It's interesting to his argument because he alludes to the fact that David went into the temple to eat the the bread of the presence. And so you would think that, that Jesus would say, David went into there and got the bread, and that was okay. I'm the son of David. I'm his descendant. I should be allowed to go in there as well. You know, an argument from genealogy. Rather, by appealing to the fact that he is the son of man, he's alluding to his position What David did in taking the bread of the presence was only okay because of David's position. He was the anointed king. In a much greater way, the son of man who is Messiah and ruler over all things, he is far greater than even David himself such that he can be called Lord Of the Sabbath. That the Sabbath belongs to him, included in his dominion and his power that we read of in Daniel 7, is his lordship over the Sabbath itself. Because he was raised, and he has even ascended into heaven as the victorious king, he he has received all glory and power. And the, the Sabbath day becomes... His day, the the Lord's day. The creational rest and peace that were lost in the disobedient first Adam is available because of the obedience of the last Adam. The freedom from physical bondage in in the Exodus, which was meant to lead God's people to long for for spiritual freedom that, that Christ has accomplished Christ alone removes every barrier from real rest in the worship of God. He does this in part in our lives, but in full in the new creation, where we will, well, we will enter into that rest fully and finally, freed from all sin and all weakness, glorified as even he is glorified. Jesus is the one. He is the Lord of the Sabbath because he fulfills the Sabbath of old and brings us into the Sabbath we most desperately long for and need. It's for this reason, as we read in the catechisms earlier, the Sabbath has shifted from the last day to the first. What Christ has done... He is, he is fulfilled. He is, he is so filled the Sabbath day that it's been transformed. The Sabbath command and the moral law is perpetual. It doesn't go away. Jesus' work does not do away with any of the Ten Commandments. Rather, he transforms them by fulfilling them. The, the ceremonial parts of the, of the Ten Commandments go away, but, but we are still called to gather and rest. It's because the Sabbath... The Sabbath is not about us earning rest. It's not about us earning or working. Rather, the Sabbath is about resting in what Christ has done. It's about resting in his work. If that seems a, a bit of, of cutesy theologizing, like, Dan, you're making a lot of jumps here, I would encourage you to take some time over the next week or month to read through the book of Luke and the book of Acts. Acts compare what Jesus did on the Sabbath in in the book of Luke and what the apostles do in the book of Acts what Jesus did on the Sabbath the apostles do on the first day of the week they gather they heal such that, that whenever we get to the book of Revelation John speaks about being in the spirit when on the Lord's day Jesus has so fulfilled the Sabbath that He transforms it so that we we celebrate, we gather to worship and enjoy God on the day when our rest was shown in the resurrection of Christ. Jesus is the Lord of the Sabbath, so we can find real rest as we worship and enjoy God. But that leads us to the question... And especially for those of you who've grown up in the church, it's probably the thing that you're thinking of. At least at least it's what I think of. So why don't we experience real rest in the Sabbath? If this is what it's supposed to be, if it's supposed to be a taste of the age to come, why don't we experience it that way? I want to propose to you two, two potential reasons. The first... The Sabbath is is a spiritual discipline. Like like time in the word and time in prayer, it bucks against our sinful nature. We still have a sinful nature. We're we're still living in weakness. We're still walking by faith and not by sight. And so there is still some struggle. We, we, We prepare, we Anticipate, we, as, as we re- hear the words, we remember, we look forward to the Sabbath. This can be elusive and, and we struggle, but, but, but sanctifying, setting apart the Sabbath is something that we can grow in. I don't know if anybody's ever told you that, but but the thought that we would dedicate more and more of our our heart to the Lord in, in worship and in in acts of good uh, um, uh, in in good works, those works of mercy and necessity, that we would devote ourselves to those things—that's something that you grow in. It takes time. It takes practice but not a kind of practice that is devoid, devoid of the work of the Spirit. As Jesus is ascended into heaven, He gives us His Spirit that we might, that we might find that rest, that we might grow in that rest as we commemorate the, the Sunday as this day of, of, of resting in Christ. So that might be a reason why we struggle. The, the Sabbath is, is a kind of discipline. But, but we also, I think that the other part is that we look to rest apart from God. Too often our worship becomes a new work because our worship is not about worshiping God and enjoying Him, Rather, it's about finding acceptance and appreciation in the eyes of others. We think that, that, that Sunday is about putting on the, our best dress to impress, but instead of it being about our devotion to God, it, it becomes about looking right to other people. Let me tell you, that is a weary thing to enter into, Every Sunday, to show up concerned about what other people's people would think about you, rather than seeking to find rest, rather than acknowledging your weariness, that, that your failure to, to clothe yourself, just like Adam and Eve of old, that you can never cover yourself perfectly nor does does Jesus call you to. Rather, he invites you to come and find rest and covering in him. Could it be that our Sundays are lacking in rest because our Sundays are about working to impress others rather than delighting in Christ? We become like Pharisees using the day as, as another day to point out how great we are about all of our works rather than pointing to Christ and saying we should find rest in Him. Brothers and sisters, I, I say this not, not to beat you over the head. I say this because I know this in my own heart as well. The desire to impress others to hide, to work so very hard to look like we're okay when we're really not. And so we never take the time to actually draw near to Christ and delight in Him and offer worship to Him. And that's where I want to close tonight Because I want to invite you with the words of Jesus, words that were true as of old, and as we were reminded earlier, and, and I remind you now, Jesus invites all of you, those of you who would recognize that you are weary, to come to him. He says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Amen. Amen. Let's go to him now. Oh, Lord, we do confess to you this evening, Lord, that that we need your rest. Nothing else in this life can satisfy. All else are simply mirages that will dry up eventually. Only you are a wellspring of life that never runs out, that never runs dry. You are infinite in your peace. And in your mercy and your kindness and your goodness, we, we can never exhaust any part of you, Lord. We can never detract from who you are or, or diminish you, Lord, by our coming to you. But you, you delight to abundantly supply our need. And Lord, so we confess we are a restless people living in a restless age. We need your light yoke upon our, on our hearts. Free us from the opinions of others. Free us from the things that we think will find, uh, find rest, but really doesn't. Help us to find more and more of our hearts centered in your work, in who you are, and what you've done. Lord, we thank you for the rest that, that you offer us, and we look forward to the rest that's yet to come. In the new creation, when we will delight in you for for all eternity, Lord, face to face. Lord, help us to have a taste of that even tonight. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's now stand and sing to him. Take my life and let it be. Just a brief reminder that we have a mission report following the service. Uh, High school students, stick around and hear until uh, the report is concluded, and then we'll go down and have dinner. But now, look up with the eyes of faith and receive this blessing from your God. And may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times, in every way. The Lord be with you all. Amen. If you're able to stick around, we'd love it. Uh, Feel free to
4: just take a seat now.